So, I know what you're thinking. You've been staring at it the whole time, all service long. Maybe for weeks you've been thinking about it. His beard is getting ridiculously long. <laughs> like, birds are going to start nesting in it long. Like, I got to worry that he, he might be covering up some facial deformity or something. Oh, maybe this is actually what you've been wondering about. There's a giant table. Did you know that? Sitting on the platform. One that takes up almost every inch that as I preach today, I'm going to have to walk around. I'm going to have to try and figure out how to just move around this thing. But the reason there's a table here today is because we're going to be talking about the great banquet. See, throughout Scripture, the kingdom of God is described as a great banquet. It is abundant, it is spectacular, it is exciting, and more than anything we can truly imagine. Think about it. In, in Psalms, it, it talks about God laying out a table, a spread, in the presence of our enemies. Jesus, like most of the stories are about him going and eating somewhere. And this story today that we're diving into is Jesus is at a dinner party of religious leaders and he tells about a parable about a table. It's a dinner party within a dinner party. This is an inception moment for Jesus. So as we look at this, I just want to remind you that the kingdom of God and everything it is is about the banquet table. Today we're going to talk about that, and that is going to mean some difficult things for us. Because this passage is not easy. Last week, Pastor Ann talked about um, the narrow road and the wide road. Often when, when we talk about Jesus' teachings... It comes with good news and it comes with bad news. The, the Word of God, the Kingdom of God, divides. And so when we hear a message and sometimes we hear this great good news, there's also often bad news for someone somewhere. The Gospel is ultimately good news. But for those who don't hear it, it's foolishness. It's bad news. So we're going to open to Luke chapter 14. And in, in this moment, we're going to be talking about um, the parable of the, the great banquet. But, but I have a few rabbit trails I want to go down first. How many of you guys love comedies? I already had a sermon that starts like, just like this. How many of you love comedies? There is a scene in most comedies that I absolutely adore. Um, I really like the awkward dinner party scenes. And they're becoming more and more popular. And here's why. I think most dinner parties I've ever been to in my life have some element of awkwardness. Uncle Ned's down there at the end, and he's um, breaking wind, and nobody wants to sit next to him. And he says weird things and sometimes oddly racist things. I don't have an Uncle Ned, so um, I won't tell you which Uncle Ned actually is. No, just joking. Um, but I love those scenes. And ultimately, somebody gives, up a, gives a toast, or someone's embarrassed, or everything goes horribly wrong, and it just reminds me that the dinner table is important, but things go wrong. But my wife, Megan, absolutely hates those scenes. 
It's, it's a tension and conflict in our marriage. And here, here's what I know. When, when these scenes start up, any awkward dinner scene, she's in te- anticipating the awkward toast moment where someone gets up and makes a fool of themselves or someone else at the table and it goes horribly wrong and everybody leaves crying. My wife is a therapist. And, and she's empathetic by nature. Like Everything she, about her is just empathy. And it's so amazing. But at the same time, like when she sees those moments, she feels the feelings of the people in the room. And so when one of those scenes come on, I'm excited. And she's like, no, you've got to stop it, pause it, or let me leave the room. So we have this few moments of, no, it's not, it's not going to be the bad. It's coming. You need to stop this thing now. Fast forward, please. It's ultimately going to be the biggest fight in our marriage. <laughs> but the reality is, is her empathetic nature kind of just extends to those that are in that type of situation. In fact, for the first 10 years of me being a pastor, um, every time I, I preached, she would wring her hands. She was so nervous because she would feel for me and she would be worried about what it would be like to be up there. She could imagine herself being in my shoes and would, she was a nervous wreck the whole time. And, and her nervousness makes me nervous and so there's this kind of back and forth there too. This, this dinner party we're about to go to in Scripture is not a lovely, perfect dinner party. In fact, it's gotten really awkward really quick. So before we even dive into our scripture, into our parable, the teaching that Jesus is going to do on the great banquet, we need to understand this dinner party. So it starts out where Jesus comes in, and he comes to, to this dinner party, and it's not, it's not certain whether it's outside or just inside the door, but there's a man that has been suffering from abnormal swelling or bloating. Something I experience occasionally. And, and he turns to the religious leaders, the people that he's come to, be, to have dinner with, and it says, is it legal for me to heal on the sab- Sabbath? And he gets crickets. So in this moment, I'm, I'm debating whether they're wanting to trap him or if he's put something to them, a question so hard that they can't quite answer. So... He heals the man and sends him on his way. And as they approach the table, there, there begins this moment where everybody at the party is trying to figure out where they're going to sit. Where's the place of honor? Who am I going to sit next to? Who is the coolest at the table? I don't want to sit by Uncle Ned, so I'm going to move as far away down, down the way over here um, to, to kind of save the meal. And... I want to be next to the host, right? He has all the power. And the host is trying to go, well, who do I want to influence? And I'm going to sit here. And there's this jockeying for position at the table. And Jesus gives a parable in the midst of that. He goes, hold on, what are you doing? Like, don't you know that if if you take the seat of honor and, and you're not actually that honored, the host is going to come to the table and go, no, no, you, you're down there. You don't belong in that spot. Instead, take the humble place. Be humble and allow the host to elevate you. So that's not even the passage. We, we haven't even gotten to our passage of Scripture, and this dinner party has gotten awkward. Can you imagine if, if you're at this party and all of a sudden Jesus has healed somebody, you're not sure what to do with that. Um, Jesus is, 
insulting the way you're trying to sit at the table, even. And then Jesus turns from the guest to the host. I absolutely love this. Part of the reason I love Jesus is he is bold almost to a fault. He, he sees wrong in the world and he has to say something. And he turns to the host and says, why do you just go and invite your friends? I'm paraphrasing. You can read it with me in, in Luke 14. Why do you just invite your friends and your neighbors and those people that are important? Why are you inviting these people who will then invite you to another party and then you will all be invited to another party and you just kind of continue going party to party and party in this closed table, trying to impress one another. Instead, when you throw a party, why don't you invite the crippled, the blind, the poor, those in need, those that have a, need a space at the table. Then, then you'll be honored in the kingdom. Whew. Awkward dinner party? Someone just gave up and gave, stood up and gave an awkward toast. Now we get to our passage of Scripture. So if you turn with me um, to verse 15. I love this guy. There's an unnamed guy in Scripture here that is just phenomenal. He hears all this stuff where Jesus is talking about watch out for what seat you take and stop inviting one another and do something different with how you engage in a dinner party. And one guy goes, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God It's a great banquet. Blessed is the one who gets to sit at that table. Can, can you just imagine that for me, with me for a moment? Blessed is the one who gets to sit next to Jesus, near Jesus, near God, and hear the wisdom of how the world was created. That will prepare a table when death is at your doorstep when your enemies are at the door and trying to beat it down. Who will provide for you when you're in need? There's a scene in the movie Hook. Anybody see that movie? I know I'm talking to people that are older than teens. Teens have now forgotten that movie and I feel old in the room when I mention it. But there's this scene where they're sitting at this dinner table and they have this imaginary meal. And they have to remind Peter that the imagination is the part of the, of, of the meal that's important. And when he's able to see it, there's food that spreads all over the place and many colors and things you could have only come up with in your imagination. It's exciting, and they eat, and then it turns into a giant food fight. I honestly think there might be food fights in heaven. The, the type of imagination that is witnessed in that movie... The kingdom of God is this great banquet and blessed is the one who sits. But then Jesus responds. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those 
um, who had invited, who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But there, they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try, to, um, try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys and towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. The word of God often comes with good news and with bad news like two sides of the same coin. A parable like this, a parable that Jesus probably often taught, has good news and bad news, and it's pointed directly at us. Like, if I'm faithful to the text, every time I read this passage or passages like this passage or passages like it, I find myself squarely in the crosshairs of those giving excuses. God has brought a great table in front of us. The kingdom of God is right at our fingertips. And I find myself to be an excuse maker. That's why we don't preach on this passage often. That's why we don't talk about the great banquet. Because it is convicting. The word of God, sharper than a double-edged sword, separates bone from marrow. It has good news and it has bad news. I, I don't mean to open this passage and to like have a guilt trip. Like, we need more nursery workers, so please come on. That's not what this is about. When I open the Word of God and, and we begin to, to study Jesus' words and his parables, I have to be faithful to the text. So let me say this. One of the biggest cultural adjustments for me and my wife was that moving to the East Coast was the pace of life. The busyness that we all have. We don't have time, we don't have room for relationships, for God, sometimes for our own families. This is a busy world. And in fact, the, the message of our world is not the message of the kingdom. The message of our world is to put priorities of work, of everything in front of family and in front of God. To, to put making money and having the right things and the right image and sitting at the right spot at the table to be more important than the kingdom of God. And so when I read this passage, I am immediately floored. Because I am that man who's made excuses 
And and if I'm faithful to this text, and I, I hope you will be with me, that is all of us sometimes. He's directing this at the religious authorities, at people who are in the insiders that know what God is doing, that have heard His Word, that know the importance of God, but yet, though they've been invited, find other things to do. In the church, um, the statistic is that 90% of the work is done by 10% of the people. That 10% of those that come to church to visit, to hear the Word of God, um, are not necessarily kingdom-minded. They're, they're coming for what they need. And, and that's true. That's what church is. Sunday mornings, we don't just come because we're here to serve, but we come to hear what God has for us and to go back into the world. But there's a point in the Christian life where things transition from being just about what I need, give me God, give me God, give me God, to being about His kingdom. Where where it's no longer sufficient to say, I've just been taking, but I have to give. And this parable is hard to read. But for bad news, there's also good news in this passage. Are you ready for good news today? Because I think it's more important to even pay attention to the good news. God is not satisfied with his table being empty. He is not satisfied with empty seats, empty space in his kingdom. And his banquet table, whether it's me or you, will be full. So he sends his servants out into the street and bringing back people that would have not had a place at the table at the dinner party Jesus is actually telling the story at. They wouldn't have a spot to sit. He says, bring in everyone, anyone who is willing, anyone who can come, the blind, the lame, the hungry, the sick, the widow, the orphan, the poor. Come. My table is open and there's more seats. And when when they've done it, gone out and they brought everyone that would come and everybody that that filled the streets and there was still room at the table and and he sent his servants out go out further go into the country lanes and drag them in convince them compel them fill this table you want an image for the kingdom of god it is this that there is space at this table no no matter your circumstances no matter how bad you've messed up, no matter your nationality or ethnicity, your, your background, no matter how old you are, there's space at this table. Our culture, and it's becoming increasingly apparent recently, is not like that. We are often dividing this group of people from that group of people. We create labels and systems and structures to, to divide us. And one of the things that I absolutely love about Emmanuel, and the, one of the major reasons that Megan and I moved across the country was something that we saw here. That this church body, unlike any other church body, has said, no, there will not be a dividing line when it comes to race, ethnicity, dividing line, background, country of origin. This is going to be a place where... All people will worship together in one service. I mean, I know we have two services, but they're the same. 
Like, most churches do it this way. If you want Korean or Chinese or Samoan or Hispanic people in your church body or if you want to grow a church, you hire a Hispanic, Samoan, Korean, Asian American pastor, and then you have them start their own services with their own languages, with their own worship, and you give them the one o'clock hour in the afternoon and say, you guys go worship over there, we're going to be over here. We're so proud of you, go do, go build. But this church is saying there's space at the table that all are welcome. That there is no one that should be separated, made to feel unwelcome, unwanted. It's not about a position. That is why I come to church at Emmanuel. That is the mission that I believe in. And Pastor Mark and Pastor Jung Mo have been casting that vision for years, and I see the benefits of it everywhere. I see the kingdom breaking in. The other thing I want to remind you of is there's often a debate about kingdom language passages. Is this supposed to happen, this kingdom, this banquet, supposed to happen after the rapture, at the end of all of this? When is this kingdom supposed to happen? And there are camps where people are saying, oh, no, no, the banquet and heaven are out there. And there are other people that say, well, there's nothing really out there, but there's the kingdom of heaven is coming into fruition here. And I think it's both. And here's why. When we talk about Jesus dying on the cross and being raised from the dead, he becomes the first fruit of the new era. We together live in this in-between place between the kingdom coming here on earth, which it is currently, we're working on it, we're building it, we see it happening all the time, all of a sudden the kingdom breaks in and lives are changed and hope comes and it's also in the future because it's grander than any banquet that I can imagine. That's the good news, right? There's space at this table. The bad news is that those are invited and find excuses and push the kingdom to the margins of their lives, find themselves on the outside of the the banquet looking in. The good news is God is not satisfied with the banquet being empty. So what do we do now? What do we do with this passage today? How are you supposed to go out and exist in the world I want to suggest that perhaps this parable is not a condemnation, but a reminder of the priorities of the kingdom. Reminding you and me that the priorities of God's table and God's kingdom are not our own. And it's an invitation to readjust that priority. Reminder that that the things of heavens are more, the heaven are more important than our excuses. They are more important than the things that we hold in esteem, than, than being the wealthy person or the popular person or the right person at the table, of being this gender or ethnicity. 
but the kingdom of God's priorities look wholly different than the world's. It is a reminder that there is space at this table, that there's space for you, there's space for me, and it is literally up to us how we respond to the invitation that God has given. In this story, whether you recognize it or not, everybody was issued an an invitation. Everybody, even those that gave excuses, even those that were on the roads, they ended up with, with an invitation. And those that were outside of even the community, nobody would have expected them to be at the table, but there they are. Number three, the gospel message is the center of this story. That that Christ's kingdom, that what Jesus is doing is ultimately about grace and making room at the table for us. And therefore, perhaps our job is to fill the empty spots. Look around the room. Who do you not see? Who in your world does not belong at the table? Who in the world does not have an invitation? And it is our job as the servants of God to be faithful to that and to go out into the world and say, no, there's room for you at this table. And finally, we must not forget that in communion, what we're about to partake in in about a few moments, we receive the first taste of this great banquet. It is the moment where we participate in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It is what unites us and reminds us that there's space at our table. So no matter where you sit in this story, whether you have believed that there wasn't space for you at this table, or whether you have felt like you were too busy to come to the table, the reminder of the gospel and of communion today is that there is space. There's space for you. Let me do this. I'm going to need some volunteers. First, I need... A kid. Jesus tells a story about, um, well, we hear a story in the gospel about like kids being barred from coming to Jesus, and Jesus said, let the children come. That's an invitation to the table, right? So I need a kid who is brave and wants to come hang out with me on the platform. Raise your hand high. I got one over here. Come on. a seat for you right here. Emily, right? This is Emily Quark, everybody. Say hi, Emily. Here's what I need. I need a teenager. Anybody else? No. (laughs) Come on, Allie. (laughs) Allie, why don't you come sit right, right over by Emily over there? I need somebody who would not normally eat at the kids' table. You know, the getting close to AARP, we're not going to make fun of you, just, we'd love to have you. Okay, Marie Jansen, I am so excited. Marie, why don't you have a seat next to Miss Allie, right next to the Bible, that's a good spot.
And then I'm going to ask someone special. Okay, I got one right here. Mr. Kim, why don't you come join me? There is space at the table for you. No matter how old you are, how young you are, where you come from, that is the beauty of the kingdom. As we get ready to participate in communion, I want to remind you that this right here is the image of the banquet for us. That, that next week when we come for service and we for one week combine all our services, as you look around, those are the people that have responded to the invitation of God. I want to remind some of you that sometimes we need to readjust our priorities. We need to come to the table willingly. And I don't know how many of you guys have five oxen that you're about ready to go, you know, try out. Um, but maybe that can wait because the kingdom is ready for you. I'm inviting the communion service to come forward and we're, we're going to invite you to this table this morning. And Emily, I, I just wanted to say this. I am so glad that you are a part of the kingdom of God. Emily, as, as the littlest one, when, when we think about what Jesus did for us, it's such a cool thing that, that he would give his life for us, that he would um, want us at his table, that he would be moving around to try and sit next to us rather than us trying to sit next to him. But that's a cool image, and I hope that you can, you can see that in your own family when you guys sit around the table, and how your mom and dad give their life to Jesus and to follow I hope that for all of you. Right now, the table of the Lord is open. If you would come and receive the elements and go back to your seats, um, here's what we know as, as the church. We invite all those who are willing and want to desperately know Jesus. It doesn't matter if you are Nazarene, Baptist, Catholic, if you have never taken communion before, if this is your first time in church, if you are genuinely seeking Christ today, this invitation is for you. Come to the table. If you are unable to walk or to get to one of these stations, just raise your hand and I'll come and gladly serve you. The table of the Lord is now open. Please come. Emily. Communion for us as a way of participating in what Jesus did on the cross for us. And what the great thing is, no matter how many times we take it, there is no way that the abundance of the grace of God or the provision of God will ever run out for us. So while we take communion, I want to remind you, this is the body of Christ that was broken for you. I mean, this is what God did for you. Take and eat, all of you, remember it. After Jesus had given thanks and broken the bread, he also take, took the cup and in a like manner he said, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take and do this in remembrance of me.
as a body of Christ, the table of the Lord has been opened tonight. But what I'd like to do right now, as I said in the first service, I'm not sure what song is being played next. But what I know is that together, with all our hearts, we should sing as the people of God at the banquet of God. This is a time for celebration and for participation. So would you stand with us as we sing as we worship God? opportunity to embody and participate in the kingdom together with no boundaries, no dividing lines, but as a seat for you and for me, and if we run out of chairs, we'll find more. May God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May you go now knowing there is a space at the table of God, at the banquet of God for you, for your neighbors, and for all that you will encounter today and tomorrow. Go in peace.